So I get to introduce to all of you the uh, Ed Hens. Ed and I, we have been chasing Jesus now for 15, 16 years. Uh, Ed is an engineer by trade. and I, What I've found is friends that are engineers, scientists like Kevin or DC, that you talk to them about different theologies, and they can run simultaneous tests at the same time, right? Good scientific mind. They, they're going to test everything that you're going to say. And Ed is someone that, from the very beginning, if you know Ed, he can be very quiet. And some of you might remember from the old days, we used to say about Ed, he's like E.F. Hutton, right? He wouldn't say much, but occasionally on a Friday morning, when Ed would start, start talking, we'd all listen, right? Anybody over 50 remembers the old E.F. Hutton commercials. When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. And he has chased God's heart uh, diligently for years. And it has been amazing to watch how it's transformed him, his family, friends, myself included. And I, I just wanted you, uh, it seems that oftentimes people never get to hear good things about themselves until their eulogy, and then they're dead in the casket and they don't get to hear it anyway. But <laughs> so, but Ed is someone that he's just a <clears throat> treasured friend, and, and uh, I'm glad you all get a chance to know him today. So Ed Hens. Thanks, man. Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm sure like uh, most guys, I don't like standing up here. I'm an engineer. I sit in the back and I figure stuff out, but I don't like standing in front of a lot of people. So uh, a lot of you faces I know, a lot of you I don't know. I'd like to get to know y'all. Um, but anyway, just I'm, I don't know if it helps, but it always helped me if the people that speak give a little background on where they're from, uh, kind of what their background was and what led them up to where they're at right now. Just gives me a better feel for how to process what they're going through or what they're, how they're, how they're, where they're at. So um, basically, real quick, um, my name is Ed Hens, like Matt said. I'm married to this saint sitting right down here, Kim Hens. She's my soulmate, my confidant, my best friend. Just love her to death. Um, I got four kids, Zach, Emily, Joseph, and Abby. Um, three of them have left the state, and one of them still hanging around. We haven't scared all of them away yet. we got one to go. Um, so anyway, um, basically, um, quick blurb on my history. Um, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio um, as a devout Catholic. And I'm not bashing anybody's religion here. I'm just letting you know where I came from. Um, not only a, a Catholic, I was uh, blessed to have my dad's cousin be the monsignor of the parish that we went to. So when your last name's Hens and the guy who runs the show's last name's Hens, you're held at a lot higher standard. And so I was... Uh, always worried about everything I did because you don't want to bring shame on your family name. That's just the way my family was. And you sure don't want to bring shame on a priest because that really looked bad in the, good guy, in the big guy's eyes. So where I came from was, I looked at this as a little kid, watched how it panned out. I'd see everybody behaving worldly all week long. And then you go down and you sit in this little box on Saturday and the priest pulls back this thing, and then you tell him everything that you did wrong all week long. And then he would, in his wisdom, would tell me to go say like three Hail Marys and two Our Fathers, and I was good to go. And that didn't sit right with me as a little kid. I just didn't understand why I knew what I did wrong, and I got the same, basically the same punishment that my friend got, and I know what he did wrong. And it just didn't, it just didn't pan out. And the other thing was I didn't quite understand why I had to tell this guy in order to be made right with that guy. So a lot of this stuff didn't 
fit well in my, in my noggin as a little kid. And the way I process things as, a, as an engineer and just the way I do things in life is if stuff doesn't make sense to me, I kind of, I, I put it in the back burner. Like I'm trying to solve a problem or something doesn't mesh. I put it on the back burner in my mind. I always kind of envision it as I've got a bookshelf in my mind. And if that book doesn't make sense, it goes on this shelf in the back of my mind and it just sits back there. And as life happens, as I study and learn, a lot of times those, those things in the, on that shelf in the back start making sense or I can start figuring out how it fits together. So that's, a, that's the way I process stuff. So anyway, as a kid, I couldn't process any of this Catholic stuff. So at ripe young age of 17-ish, um, I decided I was done with, with uh, um, my family. My, uh, I, with the help of my dad, I was, I was, it was okay for me to leave, let's put it that way. So I was on my own at 17-ish and uh, um, walked away from church. No one had to do with that. That didn't make sense to me. I don't want anything to do with this God that the way it was in my mind was he was this judgmental, mean spirited guy that was just looking down on me waiting for me to make a mistake so that he could hammer me and that wasn't that wasn't what I had I didn't want anything to do with somebody like that so I was on my own moved out um, my mom uh, my younger brother and myself and my sister and a about a one-year-old nephew moved to New Mexico and so I lived there for several years and like I said totally what I would say would be agnostic i I believed in a higher power, but I didn't want to believe in the one I was taught about. So anyway, I was just kind of just coasted along, processed the thing like engineers do. You know, everything's scientific. you got to process stuff. And uh, anyway, the Lord brought this wonderful woman into my life, Kim. Um, sometime you got some time, to, I can tell you a story how we met. It's kind of funny. But anyway, he brought her from Wisconsin and me from Dayton and drug us out to New Mexico so we could meet and spend our lives together. So it's kind of a cool story. But anyway... Um, she is a beautiful, if anybody knows, if you know my wife, you know she's beautiful, loving, caring, kind. She'd do anything for anybody. If you don't know her, you owe it yourself to get to know her. She is fabulous. So anyway, um, fast forward a little bit. We had um, our first two kids um, and ended up moving, we moved back to, to Indiana and then we had our first two kids. And my wife started nagging me. Um, I'm going to change that. Um, and she started encouraging me um, to go to church. And I don't want anything to do with it. And I think a lot of us guys are dense. Okay, I'm going to, like I always tell my wife, don't read between the lines with me. I'm a guy. Don't expect me to read between lines. I can barely read the lines. I'm not going to be able to read between them. So if you tell me something, you got to tell me exactly what it is. You know, hit me with a two by four. I might pay attention. So anyway, she started encouraging us to go to church because that's what you do when you have kids. And I was like, I was okay with that. So we bounced around to several churches and we ended up landing on East 91st Street. And uh, doing the right thing you do, you go to church and then you do a Bible study. And so we were in a... Uh, a uh, group Bible study um, for young parents. And um, of course, I'm, I'm going just because my wife wants me to be there and it's the right thing. I probably a good influence for my kids to hear about this, you know, to at least grow up with God. So maybe keep them on a moral straight path. So anyway, um, we're in this, this Bible study and the, uh, I think he was a deacon, I don't remember his name, but anyway, he starts off the, the, one of the classes and he says how we're all lowly sinners Dirty, lowly, dirty, rotten sinners saved by grace. And this one guy pipes up and says, no, no, I, I'm, you're wrong. 
I am a perfect, holy, righteous saint. Well, that caught my antennas go up, and I'm like, listen, this guy, and of course, the, 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 the deacon that was giving this class befuddled, he tried to try to quiet him down and let him know he was, he was, you know, he was wrong, and he says, no, I just went through a study. He says, you're wrong. I can show you countless places in the Bible that says that since I'm born again, I am a perfect, holy, righteous saint. And that really had me, con- it really, really got my attention. So anyway, after class, I met this guy or grabbed him outside and I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, I just went through this Roman study and they're going to do it again in the fall. And if you're interested, I'll get you the book and, and I'll hook you up with the guy who's doing it. Well, the person that did, that caught my attention and I owe him a debt of gratitude is Chad Hayward. He was the one sitting in that room with us. And if it wasn't for Chad and him speaking up, I'd probably be still sitting in East 91st Street doing the the um, religious thing and just being hammered. But anyway, so Chad being faithful, I didn't hear from him for quite a while, but then all of a sudden on my front porch was the CDs for Bob Warren's Roman study with a note about where to go hear it at. And it was in, of course, Mr. Tully's basement. So the first time I go to go to this, this meeting, I go there and Chad didn't make it that day. The only person I know that is going to be there is Chad and he got called away on business, so he couldn't be there. So I'm debating on if I should go or not, go or not, and um, I decide I'm, I'm here, I'm going in. So I walk down the basement. I'm very nervous, very, because I'm, in high school, people are voted most likely to succeed, most, you know, um, athletic. I was voted most shy. I had that going for me. So I go down, I go down the basement, and I turn the corner, and I could not have been met with more warmth and love by anybody than Matt. He acted like he knew me from the beginning. It was just very comforting. So we sat down there, went through our first Bible study, and Matt, there was a discussion that got off on a tangent, which often happens in Matt's basement. And uh, I didn't like the tangent. I didn't like what the guys were talking about. It didn't speak to me, and I thought it was weird. So anyway, I'm not going to go into details. But anyway, so I came home, and Kim's like super excited. She's like, how how did it go? How did it go? And I'm like going, I'm not going back. And so once again, Kim um, encourages me to go back, give it one more shot. So I did. I went back, and uh, that's, it just took me down a different path. It, it was the best thing that's ever happened to me because without that Bible study and without learning about the, the true identity of who I am and what the Almighty thinks of this knucklehead right here, I don't know where I'd be. I don't know where my family be. I don't know where my 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 life would be. So um, instead of having that mean, judgmental, angry God, I learned that I have this loving, caring God that actually delights in me. And so when I what now I have a desire to read the book. I have a desire to know him because he gave this to us to learn from. So I now, when I read the Bible, or read anything, I process it through the filter of the Holy Spirit. I don't say I read the Bible. I like to say the Holy Spirit reads it to me. Because if I have to read it, it's just Ed again. And I've got to learn to put that behind me. So I let the Holy Spirit read these verses to me. And the Holy Spirit processes these verses through a loving, caring, compassionate Father. Somebody who really cares about me. So a lot of these verses, when they get pretty tough, I got to just sit back and let the Holy Spirit process it for me. And sometimes it processes pretty quick. Sometimes it takes 
time. Sometimes I still got a few of them back there on process and trying to work on. And luckily, I do have a beautiful wife that listens to my strange ideas, and she uh, she doesn't. She just prompts me. She asks me questions. She helps me decipher and figure stuff out. So, anyway, when I was asked to do um, Romans two through five, those are the fun verses about perseverance and going through tough times. So, the Holy Spirit kind of revealed this to me as I was messing with this years ago, and um, I think that the way he's presented it to me um, would be the way you would have it presented to you from a loving, caring God. Um, so anyway, this is kind of, this is where we're going. Um, I, hope, I hope, you know, if you, you guys understand my heart and where I'm coming from now. But really, if, if I say anything up here like everybody says, and it doesn't sit right with you, come tell me. Because either I didn't articulate it properly or I'm wrong. This is, you know, the Holy Spirit. I'm just trusting him now to give this, this um, interpretation of these few verses. And if, I, if, if something doesn't fit right with you guys and sit right, you know, like, do like the, you know, the Bereans did, you know. Um, they would actually go out and, and um, take everything they heard and take it back and sift it through the, the, the scriptures and figure out if it, if it you know, it meshed or not. So I'd like for you guys to do the same thing. Just um, go out there and, and uh, take this, let the Holy Spirit sift it through the 66 books, books. And if you agree, great. And if you don't, shoot me a text or get a hold of me somehow and let me know what your thoughts are or why, because that's how you grow and that's how you learn. So anyway, with that going going where we're at now, let's uh, let's move forward. So um, last last week, Kevin Willard did a beautiful job on... on um, on Romans 5.1, basically, and uh, just the fact that, um, like, like Kevin said, he said that um, we're declared righteous by our faith, and that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, that it was a sacrifice that made us right with God, and I can tell you, I absolutely never felt right with God as a kid. I always felt like I was I was an imposter, or I was just trying to earn his, his favor. I never felt right with him. Um, but that verse right there tells us that I didn't have to earn that. Christ did it for me, and I just get the benefit from it. So anyway, it's, it's, believe me, it's the way to live, knowing that you are right with God. So uh, with that being said, um, let's go ahead and see what, what wonderful other news we can get out of verses uh, 2 through 5. So... Um, Verse 2 says, We have also obtained access through him by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we boast in the hope and the glory of God. Now, that sounds pretty good. That's pretty fabulous. I think verse 2 is right on line. This is, this is awesome news. Um, I can go along with that. I have a full access pass to the grace of God. Um, the great news in chapter 5 just keeps getting better. I can't wait to see what verse 3 has to say for us. So, Verse 3, and not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Okay, that's one that's going to have to go on the back of the shelf because um, I'm not sure I want to boast in afflictions. And endurance, endurance usually means hard work. You don't, you don't endure something. Like, I don't think Kim would be real happy if I'd say, I've just enjoyed enduring my life with you, honey. It, it, that doesn't sound good to me, so... Um, let's go ahead and throw that one on the shelf for a minute. And I don't want to lose the head of steam I built up with the first verse and the, the second verse. So let's go on to, a, to chapter th- verse 3. Uh, verse 3. Um, 
I'm sorry, I'm sorry, um, I'm sorry, verse 4. Verse 4, basically. Um, and it says, endurance produces character, and proving character produces hope. Okay, now we're getting back on uh, back on the, the right track here, because um, I think all of us would like to improve our character a little bit, and uh, and have a better hope in the future, and in things that come. So I think we're kind of back on the right track here. So I'm still trying to figure out what verse three had to do with anything, but um, let's move on to, to verse five. So it says, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. Okay, now this is the verse that turned verse three around for me because basically verse three was talking about having to persevere and endure. And when I read verse 3, I had it from the Ed Hens perspective. I, that just sounded like a lot of work. But when I realized what it was truly telling me was that Ed Hens isn't the one that's persevering or enduring here. The Holy Spirit through me will help me to get through these difficult times. He's the one that's going to help me to become stronger and improve my character. And my character, as it improves, the way I look at it is I become more and more aligned with the character of my God. So he's gonna, there's going to be tough things that come along in our lives. I mean, just think about it. We live on this rock hurling through space, and it's a fallen world. And people don't give, I heard Al say in, in Matt's study Friday, People don't give the devil his due, basically. We live in a, in a fallen world, and either through choices that we make, because we have this wonderful thing called free will, which is a double-edged sword, or choices that other people make, it can have drastic effects on our walk. And so if we look at everything that can possibly go wrong and will go wrong in our lives, the only thing that we can cling to with faith is our God who's always got our back. And he's given us this great helper, the Holy Spirit, to guide us and direct us and help us get through these difficult times. So if we try to do it in our own strength, it's not going to happen. We're not going to make it. But if we let the Holy Spirit, the helper, the one he's promised us, do the work for us, and we rest in that. I'm not saying it's going to be fun. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. I'm just going to say it's doable. And as we get through these difficult times, we're going to have our character is going to be improved. It's going to get stronger. And we're going to become more like the one we love. Um, a perfect example of this and, and is Paul wanted to go see the Romans. It was just one of his journeys. He's wanting to go see the Romans. But he didn't get to go see them. And in uh, Romans 1, 13, it says, I do not want you to, to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far. So what Paul was saying was he wanted to go talk to the Romans. Had he gone and talked to the Romans, he wouldn't have to... Have, we wouldn't have written this little letter called Romans. And had he not written that letter, if it just would have been him going and talking to him, this valuable, valuable book that has changed countless lives and that I am so grateful for wouldn't have been written. So 
Just because we want something to happen and it doesn't go the way we want it to go doesn't necessarily mean that God's, not, that God's interfering in our life or that something's going on. He may just be tweaking it a little bit because he has a better plan for it. So I think that if, uh, if, if you look at things from our perspective as opposed to um, God's perspective, we're going to be in a world of hurt. I mean, if, if, if I got everything I wanted, I'm a type A um, individual and I'm a control freak. Um, you know, hello, my name's Ed Hens. I'm a control freak. Um, but anyway, if I took control of everything and it went the way I wanted it to go, I'd be scared to see how it panned out. I want, I, as, as I've grown and matured a little bit, it's easier to let things go. Perfect example, another one, when Russell asked me to do this, my first answer was no. I, I don't do speeches in front of large people. In fact, even in my mind, I thought I was going to set a table up here and have my brother-in-law, Mike, sit across the table because we have some great discussions. I, I meet with him once or twice a week, and it's the highlight of my week. And I thought I was just going to talk to Mike and let you guys listen. But then I thought, no, because Mike might throw me a curveball and I'd be in trouble. So I decided I didn't want that, that going on up here. So I'd, I decided, I'd, here again, I'll take control of this whole stage right now. So anyway, hopefully I'm not hoping the Spirit's working through me. So... Um, Anyway, so now that the Spirit's kind of worked on me and helped me understand verse 3, where, you know, I, I, I understand now that it's not my own effort to help me endure these difficult times. It's His work through me. So basically, I'm just letting the Lord work through the Spirit to accomplish what Ed needs to do. So anyway, um, there was some other stuff that stuck in the back of my head as I was, as I was you know, just going on my walk and that verse helped me kind of decipher and get rid of a couple of other ones. And one of the ones I always hear people that are trying to console you in rough times, and they say, just remember, the Bible says God never gives you more than you can handle. And that bugged me because one, why would God give me something that I had to handle? That I, you know, he's not going to give me more than I can handle, but he's going to push me right to the precipice. That's not the God I know and love. The God I know and love wants to take care of me and comfort me. So after hearing, working through verse 3 and, and the rest of the uh, 2 through 5, um, I kind of dug into that a little bit. And I think the thing is people get that a little confused when they're dealing with uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. So basically it says, um, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can afford or more than you can stand. When you are tempted... He will show you a way out so that you can endure. And this ties right back into, you know, Roman, what we were just talking about, Romans 3. He says, when temptations, when the temptations in your life, he doesn't say he put the temptations in my life. It's just the world we live in. But he said he's going to give me a way out. And this way out, and it helped me once again to get endurance, it's the Holy Spirit. To me, that's, that's you know, whenever I'm, whenever, in fact, I don't know how many times this week as I'm stressing out about getting up here on a stage, Kim always says, honey, it isn't you. It's the Spirit. Just, you, you know, that's what you always talk about. Just let the Spirit lead. Just let the Spirit, you know, work through you and just relax. He's going to say what everybody needs to hear. Everybody's going to hear it different. And you're just going to be the conduit. So just relax. So that's kind of where I think that 
that little confusion came from people saying, you know, he's not going to give you more. Their heart's in the right place, but I think they're just a little, once again, they're just a little off base with how that's supposed to be interpreted. So anyway, um, the, other, the other couple things that um, have hit me over the years that, that bug the heck out of me is um, the bumper sticker that says, Jesus is, or uh, God is my co-pilot. That one drives me nuts. Um, uh, as you, uh, you know, Jim's teach me how to fly. He's a very brave soul. And um, I feel very comfortable with Jim's in the plane. And as I'm in, I'm in control, but believe me, when things get hairy, I like to give it to Jim. And I got to thinking about that a little bit and going, and I'm really relaxed when Jim's totally in control. I like it up there. I like being up there and flying. So I got to thinking that bumper sticker is backwards because G God's the pilot and I'm just a passenger. And so if I let God do the work, it's so much easier. You enjoy the ride. So God allows you to do all the work you want to do and grab the controls all you want. But really, in reality, that, that bumper sticker, that's what it stuck wrong in my mind forever was he's not the co-pilot. He's the pilot and I just get to enjoy everything that we, we go through together. Um, the other one that, that kind of bugged me, um, um, well, I'm thinking I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, so anyway, um, I'll, I'll come back to the other one in a minute, but um, when we're going through difficult times, um, people always, you know, relying on the Holy Spirit's one thing, but it's easy for me to say don't worry and let the Spirit do it, but how do you actually accomplish that? And I think that the... Uh, the, the Lord gives us the answer in, in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And basically, he says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So basically, what he's selling, saying, tell, telling us is, you know, don't, don't worry, be happy, but um, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition. So when you are in a difficult time, don't do the type A control freak Ed Hens thing and grab and start trying to figure out how to do it. Drop back, relax, and just pray. I think when, when uh, the Pharisees nailed Jesus and, and our, had the, the adulterous woman and asked him, um, you know, if they, basically... Should they put her to death or what? And Jesus, he just sits back and he starts doodling in the sand. I always, in my mind, I, I envision that as, you know, Jesus is just like us at the time. He's waiting for the Holy Spirit, you know, God to reveal to him what to say or do through the Holy Spirit. I just think of that as he's just, he's, he's writing down in the sand what the Holy Spirit is prompting him to do. So that's what I need to do. When I get in a tough spot, I don't have to have an answer right away. It's okay to sit back and doodle a little bit and let, let the Holy Spirit work on me. So I think that uh, when he says just, you know, just through prayer and petition, just start praying about it. Let the Holy Spirit work on you. And then I know there are times when it's really tough, and we've all had them, and especially, you know, if you have kids, um, if you're married, if you're dating, if you have a pulse, we're going to have difficult times. So when those times come and, and you can't even pray, you don't even know what to say, 
it's okay because he's got that covered for us too. Um, if you look at Romans 8.26, it says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. Basically, we're hurt. We're so crushed. We don't even know what to do. It's okay. Even if you just get quiet and just, just focus. I've got a friend. You guys probably know him. His name's Keith Tyner. And uh, he always just says, keep your eyes on Jesus. So if things get really, the wheels really fall off the cart. And it's totally something that you can't even comprehend what to do. Just pray. And if the prayer is just simple, simple as simple as just Jesus be with me, just please be with me. Just, the rest of it's going to be taken care of. The Holy Spirit's going to get up there and intercede for us, and He's going to get in there between us and and God, and He'll hear you. He'll hear you. So, don't think you always have to have the perfect prayer. You've got to say it just right and the right with enough D's and vowels in order to get it heard right. The Holy Spirit's going to do the work for you and get in there for us. So. Anyway, um, oh, there's a there's another one that bugged me. Um, came to mind was this 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 and this Holy Spirit thing is, it's uh, the footprints in the sand. I don't know if you guys all know that wonderful wonderful. Um, I don't want to call it the poster that everybody has, and and it basically and I was going to read it, but I'm I'm uh, I'm going to pass reading it. What it says basically is says this guy's walking on the walking along with God, and he's noticing that there's these two sets of footprints in the sand and he's in he's going over his life's history and then every time life got tough he noticed that there was only one set of footprints but then when things started going smooth again there were two and so he calls God out on it. he says hey Lord you always told me you'd never forsake me you'd always be with me but how come when things got really rough you deserted me because there's only one set of footprints and of course God says no my son when you were going through their difficult times that's when I carried you and that may be a warm fuzzy, but to me, it was on a shelf. It didn't make sense. And the reason was, I don't know, and it kind of almost kind of kind of makes sense, but what it's telling you is, as long as things are going okay, you don't really need them. He can hang out next to you, you know, you got this under control, but when things get tough, it's kind of Jesus, take the wheel again. You know, you grab the wheel and I'll, and I'll, I'll be along for the ride. And that's not how it works, guys. The Holy Spirit indwells us. God gave us that helper. He's with us all the time. So in my mind, there's one set of footprints all the time. And the way that works is, he is with me. I can choose to listen to him or not, and I can do it on my own strength. And the Holy Spirit is going to look back at me and go, how's that working for you, Ed? You need some help here? You want to handle this yourself? Or he can literally, I can literally let him take over and listen to what he has to say and believe me I'd rather listen to him than this this goofball so anyway that was that was one of the other ones that's always kind of bugged me so it kind of goes back to the same thing is who do I want to be in control so and and this this is if you just look at John 14 16 and 17 this is kind of back to the um, the what I was talking about there it says and I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. 
The world isn't able to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. So why would I want to do it on my own if I have the spirit of truth that God gave me to do it for me? I mean, and I do it enough. I mean, and I, like I said, I have a, a wonderful wife who a lot of time will call me out on it saying, is this you or is this the spirit? You know, and it's just, it's just a check. You know, she just does a real good job of checking me at stuff and let me know where I'm going with things. So anyway, um, the last thing I do is, is I try to look at this. Um, we are in the fallen world and we're down here wrestling through stuff as best we can. And Cory Ten Boom wrote a beautiful poem, and, and uh, I don't know if you know Cory Ten Boom. She was uh, um, a Christian that lived in the Netherlands during World War II, and her family helped free or save about 800 Jews from the Nazis. They had a hidden, they had a secret room in their house, and they would hide them in there, and then they would help them get them out of the get them out of the country and get them free from the Nazis. And somebody finally, you know, sold them out, and they got whisked off to a concentration camp. And her dad died just a few days after he got taken there and her sister died in the camp. And Corey Timboom, through a clerical error, got kicked out and uh, she got released. And 10 days after, about a week or so after she was released, all the women that were her age were whisked off to the gas chambers. So she has a, let's talk about rough life and, and going through some pretty bad trials and tribulations, but she wrote a beautiful poem and it's called, it's called uh, Life is But a Weaving. And basically, um, it kind of spells out how I think of things. We see things from the backside of like a tapestry or a weaving. And this, this is our side. This is kind of what we see from where we're at. But God sees it from the top side. And her, verse, her, her poem goes, My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors. He weaveth, all, he weaveth steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I, in foolish pride, forget he sees the upper, and I the underside. Now till the loom is silent, and the shuttle cease to fly, will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reasons why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares, Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. And so we see the backside, all the knots, the gnarlies, the, the messes. But God has a better plan, and he sees the top side. So all the terrible things that we go through life, and, and uh, I mean, I know um, I'm going to throw Mike under the bus a little bit. My brother-in-law, Mike, has had a really difficult first part of his life made some bad choices, been down some bad roads. But God uses every one of those in his life to help other people because Mike has empathy for people in certain places that I can't have because I didn't walk that walk. And so everything that happens bad, God really can turn it around and use it for something good. And I'm not saying he did the bad things to you so that in the future he can use it for good. I'm saying that this sinful fallen world we live in is going to dish us out some pretty heinous stuff. But God's not going, oh, gee, I didn't see that coming. I don't know what I'm going to do with that one. God actually looks at us just later on in life. If you allow him, if you allow the spirit to work through you, 
He's going to take those terrible things and he can use them for good. So anyway, I, that, that's kind of where I'm at on this, this journey. So if we go back and see what we learn from Romans 5, uh, 2 through 5, so that we can rejoice in our afflictions because as we lean harder into that Holy Spirit, more each time we go through a rough time, we'll get stronger in our faith, our endurance, that's the endurance part. This will give us a better understanding of who we really are in Him. That's our character, our proven character. And this will give us the hope that will not disappoint us. After all, who can be disappointed knowing that God, the great I Am, is with us all the time and in all situations and never disappointed and always loves us. So that's my take on Romans 2 through 5. Um, like I said, if, if, thanks. If you disagree with me, come talk to me about it. I'd really like to hear your input, and, and I'm always up for learning. So anyway, let's, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just love you. We thank you for the helper you've given us, and we just pray that you give us the ability to lean into him at all times, Lord. Not just the bad, but the good, Lord. That's the tree of, the, of life that Matt often talks about, Lord. Help us to get out of that tree of good and evil and just follow the Holy Spirit and enjoy this life we live. Thank you, and it's in his most precious name we pray. Amen.